Well, welcome to the latest podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. I keep forgetting to call this what it's supposed to be called, Keeping It Real with Dr. Keel. You can tell I'm not much of a marketer. Um, so anyway, the topic of today is kind of current. It is recession risk. That is all you are hearing these days in the media and the press. And it's kind of useful to go through what it is that triggers people to think this is imminent. And maybe we can determine how realistic some of these projections are. What has kind of prompted the recent concern is the inversion of the bond yields. That whenever you get an inversion of the two-year bond and the 10-year bond, it is considered a signal for recession, but we need to unpack this a little bit. That signal, which we've seen for over the last 50 years, means that a recession is likely within 6 to 24 months. Two years is a really long time. So warning that something's going to happen in that length of time is not really terribly useful for strategic purposes. And it's also important to understand what it is that causes that inversion. Basically, it's bond investors anticipating what the Fed is going to do if it is responding to inflation. So the assumption is that when you see inflation hit numbers like it's hitting now, it's going to trigger the Fed to do aggressive things. It's going to trigger the Fed to get involved with interest rate hikes, rapid interest rate hikes, high interest rate hikes. And the bond market then says if it does that, it's going to throw the economy into recession because every time you have seen interest rates jump high fast, that's generally what happens. If you go back to the 1980s when Paul Volcker was trying to control rampant inflation, he jammed interest rates up and it worked. Inflation was controlled, but it also gave us a recession. So the challenge is that the Fed is not yet talking about that kind of inflation. And I've talked about this before, but there are lots of things that drive inflation. Traditionally, what the Fed is prepared to respond to is money supply. If there is too much money in circulation, then you end up feeding inflation. And it's a fairly logical connection. People don't like high prices, but... If they have the money and they have the wherewithal, they're going to pay them. So when there's lots of money in circulation, whether it's within the corporate community or the consumer community, people kind of blow past inflation. You know, They look at the price increase and they complain about it and they worry about it, but at the end of the day, they've got cash, they've got money, so they go ahead and spend. If you dry up the money supply, then people become a lot more sensitive to inflation. They don't have the capability to ignore those prices, so they don't. The Fed is looking at current inflation, and they still refer to it as transitory, and we've talked about this before. Transitory does not mean temporary, even though the media pretends that it does. Transitory simply means that it's basically commodity-based. And with commodities, and certainly ASA people have seen this for years, commodities bounce around. They get high, they go low, they get high again, they go low. No matter what you're looking at, whether it's oil or gas or steel or lumber or you name it, it looks like an EKG. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. That kind of inflation is not much of the Fed's responsibility. It doesn't have control over that. It may indirectly, by controlling that money supply, 
but for the most part, they're just as powerless as the rest of us. You know, they just sit back and watch demand and supply work its magic. You know, that there's either a lack of supply or a surplus of supply. There's either lack of demand or surplus of demand, and that ends up driving what's going on with commodities. So the Fed is looking at current inflation, and they know that about 70% of it is energy-related. So they're basically saying, look, if you stripped out what's going on with oil and gas, the inflation rate would be around 3. It wouldn't be 7.5, and it might even be falling. And they're also aware that all of this oil and gas crisis is potentially temporary. And we've been watching that kind of behavior for the last several weeks. I mean, just the other day... There were rumors of a potential rumor of maybe a possible, maybe potentially a ceasefire of some kind, maybe someday, somewhere. And the price of oil fell 10 bucks, And then it fell again when there was another hint, maybe sort of. No real progress, but just the hint of one was enough to drop oil prices. They came right back up. So... The Fed looks at this and says, look, we have no idea what's going to go on with oil and gas. I mean, if there's a settlement tomorrow, then, you know, things would change instantly. I mean, just consider this one fact, which would lead to ideas about oil and gas. The companies in Russia that are responsible for shipping oil, whether it's through pipeline or any of the other means have already declared that they are not going to take on even another speck of additional oil or gas. They are absolutely jammed full. All of their storage is full. All the pipelines are full. They are completely without capacity to take on any more oil and gas, which means the very second those sanctions would be loosened, which would be one of the things we would reward Russia with if they pulled out of Ukraine, that fuel flows. I mean, within the hour, it would start coming back into the market. So the fact that the energy prices are that volatile has kind of kept the Fed on the sidelines. So this yield curve really doesn't mean a lot right now. The only other thing that's bothering people about inflation is wages. And once wages go up, they don't come back down, at least right away and not readily. So there's a concern on the part of the Fed long term saying if wages continue to go up, prices then go up to handle those labor costs, which then promotes the wages to go up again. Right now, inflation is cresting at a rate higher than the wage increase. Wage increases have been around 5%. The inflation rate has been around 7.5. So you still have some some room for the wage demands to, to work through. The labor shortage has been manifesting in lots of different ways for lots of different years, and it gets more complicated with every passing year because now it's not only a matter of trying to hire people, but it's retaining the people you have. So bottom line, are we heading for a recession or not? My sense is that we're not that we may have some sector responses, um, particularly those that are much more dependent on oil and gas. We're seeing some weakness, for example, in transportation because diesel prices have gotten so high. You are seeing some weaknesses in, in some of the areas that are kind of ultimately dependent on consumer attitude towards fuel. 
But in other cases, agriculture is booming, the energy sector is booming. Obviously, there's an awful lot of demand to work with now. The healthcare sector is still firm. Consumers are still spending. They're spending at a rate that is at least as good as they did last year. So it's it's still very much up in the air. My take at this stage is that people have adopted a very cautious attitude. We're not seeing projects being canceled. We're seeing them being postponed. It's like, we're going to do this. We're just not going to do it right now. My advice to some of the groups we work with is that the next two quarters are going to be probably the most rugged. That by the time you get to the end of third quarter, many of these issues will have started to fade. I I really can't conceive that we're still going to be dealing with a Ukraine-Russian mess into the summer. I mean, the the sense is that this is within a month or two of some kind of sloppy, brutal end. And and it's it's not going to be happy times for people in Ukraine or Russia, but it may mean the end of the actual conflict. So that's kind of where we are right now. I don't think we're facing an imminent recession. We are seeing signs that make us more than a little cautious. And that's probably the watchword right now is caution. So next week, we're going to talk a lot more about transportation. Um, I was talking to Mike Miazga earlier today, and that is the topic of choice. Talk a little bit about transportation, logistics, because that is an area where we've seen some reaction to inflation and potential for recession. Thanks, and we'll be in touch later.